0: DON'T THEY MAKE A CUTE COUPLE? <laughs> I KEEP WAITING FOR AN ANNOUNCEMENT. I GUESS I'M GOING TO HAVE TO DO THEM LIKE, like WE DID uh, NATHAN AND uh, STEPHANIE WEDNESDAY NIGHT. IF YOU HAVEN'T LOOKED AT OUR WEDNESDAY NIGHT SERVICE, YOU OWE IT TO YOURSELF TO GO BACK AND LOOK AT THAT. It's re- WE HAD A LOT OF FUN. IT WAS A HOOT. i just TELL YOU RIGHT NOW, IT WAS A HOOT. IT WAS REALLY GOOD. WE HAD A LOT OF FUN WITH THAT. Well, it is so good to see each one of you. You know, I think one of the reasons why... Uh, uh, do you all sense the Spirit of the Holy Spirit in this place today? Amen? I, I think maybe it may be because th- that, that earlier church group's already warmed it up for us. <laughs> and uh, you're just having back-to-back here, man. He, you know, it's just been great. It has been great. Uh, and you have that opportunity. The, the, the Launch 24 has just started. If you're looking for a life group or uh, if you're not happy with the life group you're in, it's not meeting your need. There's nothing wrong with a life group. you just got different needs. And there are different life groups all over that will help you. And uh, I hope that you'll use this time to. Uh, Brother Case preaches in that early service, does a magnificent job. And I'm over at Mason Creek and then here. So you pick the one that's best for you. If you, if you like a smaller church, I preach the same sermon at Mason Creek. I don't foam as much at the mouth, and uh, I kind of, you know, talk a little bit more, but uh, uh, we have great music. I'm telling you, great choir and and great music. You just pick what melts your butter. Amen? We, uh, in January, we're looking at let the church be the church, and uh, we start out the first Sunday in the early service by preaching the state of the church message, and then last week, is the church relevant or irrelevant? Does it make any sense? This week, and I picked three different scriptures, God laid those on my heart, of the churches. Last week was in uh, Nehemiah and Matthew chapter 16. This week, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10. I love it when the music and the preaching come together and nobody has said anything whatsoever. We've already quoted some of Hebrews chapter 10, 19, and following, but we'll read it again. Uh, And then uh, tonight, today, is the church a priority. Should it be a priority? Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19. Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. Chapter 10, verse 19. Say amen if you have it. All right. Having, therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us, through the veil that is to say his flesh having an high priest over the house of god let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for the uh, for he is faithful that promised let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to do and two good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some is. But exhorting one another. So much the more as you see the day approaching. Father, thank you today. How we have been blessed and uplifted. And I pray your name has been exalted. God, we love you. We must decrease. You increase. Lord, we need you. We must have you. If you're not here, God, everything we do is in vain. So I ask you, Lord, have your way. Lord, whatever you want to do today, we submit to you. and We say to exalt you and to further the kingdom of heaven on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. One of the oldest churches that still remains a church today that's still active is in Swan Quarter, North Carolina. It was built in 1874, got a wonderful, unique history, uh, and it still operates today, still going strong. Uh, They wanted a piece of property on a corner in the country, and the guy would not sell them the piece of property. And uh, he didn't like the church, he didn't love God, and he didn't want no part of any of it. And so they had to move over and buy another piece of property from another man down the road. In two years later, after they'd built that church in 1874, there was a massive storm came through, destroyed a bunch of houses, uprooted trees, picked that church up off its foundation and slung it 300 yards down the road. When all the smoke was cleared, The church was sitting on the exact lot that they tried to buy. (laughs) Still sitting there today. (laughs) You say, wow, God's an awesome God. He sure is an awesome God. I, I, I would submit to you this morning, there are many, many good institutions in this world. Marriage is one of them. Marriage is a fine institution if you like living in an institution. Well, glory to God. (laughs) Y'all ladies know I'm joking with that. Uh, (laughs) There are a lot of good institutions. But I submit to you this morning, there is no institution greater than the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is none greater than that. The church is near to the heart of God because he wrought it and Jesus bought it. And the Holy Spirit sought it. And it becomes special. And Jesus said, as we looked last week upon this rock, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We're reminded in Ephesians 5, Christ loved the church, gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy holy. And without blemish. The tragedy is there's a lot of people that take the church lightly. They're not interested in the church. and uh, I, I, I've read this before, but I want to read it again. It's called Why Are Fire Trucks Red? You may have remembered it. Fire trucks have four wheels. This is why they're red. They have four wheels and eight firefighters, and four plus eight equals twelve. There's 12 inches in a foot. A foot is a ruler. Queen Elizabeth is a ruler. And the Queen Elizabeth is one of the largest ships on the seven seas. Seas have fish. Fish have fins. The fins fought the Russians. The Russians are red. Fire trucks are always Russian. Therefore, trucks are usually red. (laughs) (laughs) And then underneath it, there's a little line. If you think that's wild, you ought to listen to some of the excuses people give for not coming to church. (laughs) There's also another interesting thing. This is uh, we, we're kind of in mourning. Our flag is flying at half staff at our house uh, because Green Bay got beat last night. <laughs> My wife is a big cheesehead, and and we mm, it was close. It was close. But I thought about football. There's a there's a uh, interesting article about football theology. A quarterback sneak. A Sunday school teacher entering the church building five minutes late trying to slip past the director without being seen. That's called a quarterback sneak. A two-minute warning is a deacon on the front pew taking long peeks at his watch to make sure the deacon, uh, the preacher notices. Uh, Bench warmers, inactive church members who are content to stay home. A huddle, a gathering of men outside the building for small talk and a quick smoke before the worship service begins. In the pocket, that's where many church members keep their tithe. And an extra point, if you want to score an extra point today, is what each church member receives when he or she tells a preacher that the sermon was just too short. <laughs> you can get an extra point today. Amen? I, I mean, the, the, the Christian without a church, we mentioned it last week, it, it, it's like an author without readers. It's like a parent without a family, a football player without a team. It may be possible to be a Christian without going to church, but it's impossible to be a good Christian, a growing Christian, without going to church. In our text, in verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, so much the more as you see the day approaching. Apparently, there were some in that day, just like in our day and all throughout time, that didn't see the need to go to church. They didn't see the need to be a part of the kingdom of God here on this earth. And they were taking it lightly. You see, being faithful to a church, it's important to God because he wants us to be. The Word is clear about that. It's important. Being faithful to church is important to the devil because he hates the church. And being faithful to the church is important to us because we need the church. So, three things here. About our church and any church that's living for the kingdom of God. Number one, this church is a place of blessing. It's a place of blessing. Uh, The church uh, is not a refrigerator for preserving personal piety. It's a dynamite for changing human folks and their wills. Many of you right here, if somebody would have said ten years ago, you'd be sitting in the house of God on Sunday morning, they'd laugh you out of town. Mm Mm-mm. But you see, when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of somebody, and it doesn't matter if they're 15 years old or 50 years old or 90 years old, when the Holy Spirit speaks to someone's heart and they become repentant and they give their life and their heart to Jesus Christ, I want to tell you, it changes everything about them. It changes their wants of what they used to want to do to something that now they didn't used to want to do it changes the church is not a store to furnish hammocks for the lazy it's an equipping house to get us to go out and reach neighbors it's not a place to dodge life's difficulties many of you are going through difficulties i i pray for you this church prays for you have a great prayer ministry but this is a place not to dodge difficulties It's a place where you can meet those difficulties and people can encourage you and strengthen you and lift you up and come before God's throne in prayer. In Hebrews, verse 22, chapter 10 there, he said, let us draw near with a true heart full of assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with the pure water He's talking about the Word of God. He outlines the first reason. Number one, he said this church is a blessing because this is where you get a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. This is where you get it. You may have walked in here, and young people, you may have been brought to church all your life, but I want to tell you, being brought to church is not a relationship with Jesus Christ. You need to know Jesus Christ one-on-one. You need to know Jesus better than you know your girlfriend or better than a husband knows his wife. I tell you, I heard about that guy that they asked his, her husband, said, what kind of flyer does your wife like the most? He said, Pillsbury. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's not the right answer. That's not the right answer. You, we, we need to know one another. This is a place where you meet. This is a place where you come in here on your road to destruction and damnation And Jesus comes into your life and changes you. Listen, it'll work for young people. It'll work. We just saw Ethan back here. This last night, I know we're in the late service. Brother Casey's little girl, Cason, got saved last night at home. Let me tell you something. I don't care how old you are. When the Holy Spirit works on you, you can be saved this morning. You can be saved. It's a blessing because it's a place where our relationship to God is established, and we learn about that. We develop it, we strengthen it. We need to be teaching the the, the things of God. Our, Our young people need to know that this world is not millions of years old. God created the heavens and the earth in six days and rested on the seventh. You say, how can you believe that? Because the Bible tells us that. And we believe the Word of God. Now, you cannot believe the Word of God if you want to, but I'm just telling you, you're going down a rough path. You're going to end up in a mess. This better be your guidebook. So we're blessed. It's a a blessing because this is where the relationship is established, but it's also how the fellowship is enjoyed. We enjoy one another. We should. We should. I know there's a couple of people I see coming down the aisle, and, uh, not down the aisle, but down the hall, and I try to get off into another room, but <laughs> there's not many. <laughs> he said, let us draw near. Let's draw near. That word, draw near, carries the idea of intimacy, of fellowship. When we, when we draw near to someone, we want to spend time with them. Uh, and he's saying, as, as God, let us draw near. Let's draw near to God, but let's also draw near to one another. You see, we're being exhorted as Christians to not only draw near to God and experience His presence, but draw near to God and enjoy His presence. See, there's too many people who say, well, I've got to pray. I've, I've got to experience God. I've just got to pray. No, we get to pray. We get to enjoy the presence of God. Boy, when the whole world is crumbling around us, we can get in a silent room there and just relax and listen to God speak. What a blessing. What a blessing. We not only experience it, we enjoy it. I was talking to a guy uh, this last week out here in the country. I was just riding around praying, enjoying life. this guy was out in the yard. He looked very nice. I mean, he smiled. I don't stop at people's houses if they're not smiling. But he was out in the yard, and I thought, well, I'll stop and talk to him. You know, I met him, you know, and talked to him. We had a good conversation. I said, hey, I'm pastor down here. He's closer to Mason Creek. and said, you know, we're right around the corner here, not far. And, and he pointed. He said, over there is, is my Sunday deal. And he pointed at his boat. He said, I can worship the Lord in my boat. I can worship the Lord on the lake. I said, you can. You can worship the Lord in your car. You can worship him on your boat. You can worship him in a truck sitting in the middle of Utah. Amen? I stand. But I said, how many of your neighbors around here think that when they see you loading your boat up on Sunday that you're going to worship? You think any of them think that? No, they think you're going to the lake. Now, you can tell me you can worship at the lake all you want to. You, listen, I didn't fall off a turnip truck last night. You don't go to the lake with a boat to worship the Lord. You go to catch fish. Now, if you're not catching fish, you might have a little bit of prayer life, but you go there to catch the fish. The context seems to tell us that we are to draw near as we assemble ourselves together in church. This whole context is talking about assembling together. Let us draw near as we assemble together. So this church is a place of blessing. But it's not only a place of blessing, it's a place of building. Verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. There's a famous story about the ancient Sparta, and the king always boasted about what great walls he had around the city of Sparta. And another vision king came over one day and he said, I want to see those walls. And he said, I came into Zapata. I I didn't see no, where are those walls that you're always boasting of? And he said, you see those men right over there? He said, every one of those men are my bodyguards and every one of them have a brick. Hmm? You see, the walls are not these buildings here. They're us. When he said let's assemble together, he's talking about us. He's talking about the family of God. And he speaks of a faith that we need to get together so that we can be defending it. The opening words, let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Uh, mm, This year is going to be a telling year in America. Our local elections and our state elections and our national elections and all of those and You know, politicians, you're going to get so sick of this stuff. This is just January. You're going to get so sick of this stuff over and over again. I don't care who it is. And I'm telling you, I'm ready to just look some of them straight in the face. And look, if you're not going to stand up for God, I ain't going to vote for you. I mean, i just tell you right now, I'm fed up with this mess. I'm fed up with people coming to the United States of America and saying, No, we're not going to swear on the Bible. We're going to bring in a Koran. No, you ain't here. This country wasn't founded on that. This country was founded on the Word of God. This country's been blessed because of the Word of God, because of the forefathers that stood up and gave their life's blood for the Christian ethic. Now, if I want to go to Afghanistan, I expect them to not use the Bible, but bless God, when you come to America, you ought to be using the Word of God. And if you don't, I don't want nothing to do with you. I just tell you that straight. I don't want nothing to do with you. you. Say, preacher, that's that's just not being. That's not equal rights. I don't think we have equal rights. I think according to the Word of God, when we get saved, we're dead to ourselves. What what would you think? And people say, "Well, now I believe the Lord would love everybody." Oh yeah, can't you see the Lord saying, "I know what the Bible says. I know what these Old Testament prophets say." But but listen, let, let's look over here. Let's let's, let's read this that pleases Muhammad here. You think Jesus would do that? No, he wouldn't do that. I don't got out of my notes now. Y'all got me all fired up. And I don't even know where I am. <laughs> Hold fast, he said. It speaks of a faith to be defended. Jude 23 puts it like this. uh, Not Jude 23. Jude 3 says, earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. This church has got to contend for the faith. It's not only a blessing, but it's a building. Barna Research conducted a survey why Christians, top 10 reasons go to church. Number 10 was a convenience of time. Number 9, the quality of adult Sunday school. Number 8, the denomination. Number 7, how much you like the pastor. Number 6, the quality of program for children. Number 5, involved in the church, helping the poor and disadvantaged. Number 4, how friendly the people in the church are to visitors. Number 3, the quality of the sermons that are preached. Number 2, how much the people seem to care about one another. And number 1, it blew my mind, is the theological beliefs and doctrine of the church. Wow, I, I, I guess I missed that. I, I, I need to apologize. Some of you undoubtedly are a lot smarter and more spiritual than I gave you credit for, myself included. I mean, that we would say, hey, I'm not going to a church because of the pizzazz. I'm not going to the church because of the laser beams that are flying, the smoke coming out of all the vents there and everything painted black. Woo! I'm going to a church that will stand on the Word of God. That's what they're saying here. That's what people are looking for today. Church is a place where we're equipped and enlightened, enabled and empowered and energized to carry forth the Word of God. So it speaks of a faith that we have, but it also speaks of a faith to be developed. Verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith. And then it says, without wavering. That's talking about the future. That's talking about the future. I was with a group of preachers this week, and we were all moaning and groaning because we're all getting old. (laughs) And everybody asked the questions, what's this pulpit going to look like in 30 years? How about the new preachers that are coming up? What is is it going to look like? Well, you're going to have to take out all these pews. pews are not in anymore. People would rather sit on a four-inch cushion chair. You're going to have to turn off all these lights. Way too much light in here. I mean, it's all got to be black. It's all got to be dark. And then one spotlight right up here on somebody singing or somebody preaching. Folks, don't let that happen here. I mean, you raised Cain. Listen, I, I've thought... I've taught you to follow the pastor and you've done a marvelous job. But I want to tell you, I'll step in right now. If the pastor is trying to make this something that it's not, you raise up and you say, we're not going to do this in our place. We're not going to do it. We're going to, this is still where church is church. I better get on, I'm in trouble. Uh, I've had an awesome privilege of, I've led music with Herschel Hobbs, and I've led music with Lester Roloff and Jerry uh, Vines—not Jerry Vines, uh, not Jerry Vines uh, Charles Stanley. I've listened to those guys preach. Uh, J Vernon McGee and and uh, uh, Jay Harold Smith and R.G. Lee and Adrian Rogers and W.A. Criswell and all of those guys. I, I've got to—I've got to hear all of those guys. And I would say they lit my fire. But the truth is, my foundation did not start with those men. My foundation started in a local New Testament church where I had a little junior Sunday school teacher take a bunch of wild boys that run a teacher off every six months, and she sang, I shall not be moved. (laughs) And Ms. Inez Dow did not be moved. And she won every one of us to the Lord. I remember when I surrendered to the ministry, Brother Pennington, my pastor then, he said, uh, come by one day after school and uh, we'll talk about how God can use you. And so, man, I bought me a yellow pad. I had two. We didn't have no pen back then. We had number two pencils. I had my number two pencils, two of them sharpened, ready to write it down. Step one, step two, step three. How can God use me? And I, you know, I thought I was going to be there an hour, hour and a half, whatever. I just soak it up. He made one statement. He said, if you want to get usable, he said, if you want God to use you, you get usable, and he'll wear you out. You get usable. I didn't say the church make you get usable. I said, you get usable, and God will wear you out. And I've discovered that's true. You just learn. I know people are saying, you got to learn to say no. I don't ever want to say no. Man, I might be entertaining angels. You say, well, don't you get tired? Yeah, I drop dead every night. If you get right with God, you can go to sleep the moment you hit the bed. I'm just joking. John Hopkins had a recent survey, it's been several years ago now, that came out with this. Men who went to church, that lived a, a, a moral life that went to church had sixty percent fewer heart attacks than men who didn't go to church. Now that ought to tell you right now, you ought to come to church. Just because you don't you don't need to have a heart attack. It, 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 you see, the church informs us. That's what your life group does, teaches, and preaches. It informs us how that God formed us, how that sin deformed us, how that Jesus transformed us, and how that the Holy Spirit conforms us into the image of Christ. That's what the church teaches. We learn those things. It's a place of blessing. It's a place of of building, but it's a place of bonding. We're one in the Spirit in this place. One of the most wonderful, beautiful aspects of a local church. It's a place where Christians get together. Fellowship. Bond. Somebody said fellowship is like two fellows in a ship. You know, I mean, you're in a little boat. You're going to be together. You're going to bond together. The church is a place, Horatio Nelson said, where the band of brothers and sisters come together to worship and fellowship. Where the band of brothers and sisters come together, while we support one another. Verse twenty-four. The admonition begins by saying, "Let us consider one another. Let's consider one another." Mm. The word "consider" literally means to give attention to, or to fix one's eyes upon, or to to insight there. To uh, I read a story of a godly woman that was dying from cancer and she had a special relationship with her nephew. In her last uh, breath, she called her nephew over to her bed and she said this. She said, Son, you hang on to your church because when the chips are down, it will hang on to you. Folks, we're a body of Christ. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We have no idea. You know how many nuts have the atomic bomb right now? You know how many? Nobody knows. We don't know. Our wonderful government has left enough machinery and shells and everything, walked off and left them to destroy the entire country of America. And they're in hands of people that, mm, you're not going to have breakfast with in the morning. This church ought to not be a place of fighting or feuding or fussing. It ought to be a place of fellowship. It ought not to be a place of complaining. It ought to be a place of comforting. It ought not to be a place of tearing somebody down. It ought to be a place of lifting somebody up. As Christians, we need one another. We need the fellowship. We need the encouragement. We need the love and support. Uh,. I was thinking about is Sam Hughes was telling us uh, this week sharing with him leaving the Ukraine and he'd been in Romania and it's almost as bad there as it was in Ukraine and and, uh, he said my biggest thing for my wife and I is we didn't want the Ukrainian people to feel like we let them down I think you know we have no idea what it's like to be living in a place where bombs hitting all around you Nothing but the grace of God. Nothing but the grace of God. And then we we encourage one another. Verse 24, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. The writer is saying that we need to incite, we need to stimulate one another to keep on keeping on. When we come to the house of God, there ought to be a friendship here. I hear it over and over again. I pray I never get tired of hearing it. Is that when people walk in this place, people have been friendly? You can sense the Holy Spirit. That, listen, that never grows old. But every one of us have to do our part to make sure that happens, no matter who we are. Rudyard Kipling wrote this about barrack room ballads. An old soldier said this. It ain't the individual nor the army as a whole, but the everlasting teamwork of ever-blooming soul. Can I tell you that this building is a cornerstone with Christ, and every one of us has a brick, and we need to use it for the glory of God. Uh, Earl Allen was talking to a group of men discussing about... Not going to church and whether they have to do it. And the preacher walked by and they said, Hey, preacher, answer a question for us. Do you have to go to church to go to heaven? And the preacher looked and he said, Well, uh, you know, I guess technically uh, it would be possible for a person to go to heaven without ever going to church. The men said, Okay, that's what we want to know. They started to walk off and he, he said, But God, let me ask y'all a question. I mean, I'm wondering. If you don't care anything about the church where they sing the songs of Zion and talk about the things of God and rejoice and pray and praise, why would you ever want to go to heaven in the first place? You you do realize that's what we're gonna be doing for all of eternity. You mean it's gonna go, go after twelve? It's gonna go after twelve. To know God thinks so much about the church, how could we think so little of it? I'm asking you this morning, maybe you're here, young person, teenager, child, older person, and you've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm asking you this morning, if the Holy Spirit's knocking on your heart, you, you sense if something's hitting you on the inside. If it's not, I'm going to be honest with you, you don't need to come down. You can't be saved unless the Holy Spirit's drawing you. I'm just reading the Word of God. But the fact that you're here this morning is probably a sure fact that the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, saying, You ought to be saved today. You ought to be saved today. I'm going to ask you in a few moments to come down, take one of us by the hand, and we'll make sure you understand it. The last thing that I want. Is for somebody to come down, sign a card, and say, Oh, I joined the church. I'm all right. No, you're not. No, we want to make sure you know exactly what you're doing. Maybe here on this Sunday, there's someone that needs to become a part of this church. This is a great church, tremendous church, great staff. You'll not find a better staff anywhere in the world with a heart to serve others and a people to serve others. I'm looking at people that volunteer and and serve the Lord. There is no way we could carry on a fourth of the ministries we do without your volunteer help. And I have people all the time tell me, Brother Charles, you don't know what a blessing it is to get to ride a bus and see some of these kids. You don't know what a blessing. Church where I come from, they wouldn't let us do any of that. They hired everything done we don't we don't hire anything here we pray the preacher we pay the preacher too much here to hire anything so we don't hire anything here we just do volunteers Lord thank you today mm. it's been a good time just serving with you today Lord I just sense in my presence the Holy Spirit of God in this place Lord would you move today God would you have your way Lord I'm I'm watching young people that need to be saved and adults and God, different ones. Lord, would you just make this a great day of harvest and revival? Lord, we'll praise you and thank you for what you're going to do in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? We have this time of invitation.